Stunning news from the Supreme Court, seemingly on the verge of a major ruling on abortion. Today, we'll talk about the potential Indiana impact as we hear from Governor Eric Holcomb, state lawmakers on both sides of the aisle, and congressional candidates Aaron Houchin and Matthew Fife, fresh off their primary night victories. It's all ahead right now on this week's edition of In Focus. Protests here in Indiana and across the country this week after that stunning leak from the Supreme Court. That news sent shockwaves through Washington and around the country with the potential for a final ruling from the court next month. So what would it mean here in Indiana, both in terms of the practical and political implications? We start our coverage today in D.C. with Washington correspondent Hannah Brandt. From Democrats, we've seen a push to take legislative action to protect abortion rights, and Republicans seem more focused on condemning the unprecedented leak. Fired up pro-choice protesters are fighting to keep abortion rights after a leaked Supreme Court document indicated Roe versus Wade will soon be reversed. And Democratic lawmakers are echoing the fear and frustration of those demonstrators. I am just, I cannot tell you the outrage I feel at this decision. I'm not going to stop fighting to get to President Biden a bill to protect the right to abortion. Senate Leader Chuck Schumer promised lawmakers will vote on the issue, but Democrats don't have the support they'd need to solidify national abortion access, with lawmakers like Senator Lindsey Graham against it. Repealing Roe v. Wade, in my opinion, uh, is the right uh, constitutional answer. Many Republican lawmakers seem less focused on celebrating the likely pro-life victory and more intent on spotlighting the leak an egregious transgression against the Supreme Court and its independence. Senator Ron Johnson says that breach of court privacy is what they should be concentrating on. And Senator Roger Marshall suggested there are liberal motives to the leak. This shouldn't surprise us a bit. This is what Democrats do when they lose the ball game. Some Democrats say Republicans are shifting focus because they're afraid this issue will energize liberal voters. What do we do? Stand up, and push them to the polls for the midterm elections. And let us fight with everything we have got. The Supreme Court has made it clear that the decision is not final. Their official ruling is expected in a couple of months, and they are investigating the leak. In Washington, I'm Hannah Brand. Hannah, thanks. In a statement, Senator Mike Braun blasted the leak, but also said if the leaked opinion is accurate, then today is a landmark day for the sanctity of human life in our country. Congressman Andre Carson said if Republicans succeed in overturning Roe, it will be disastrous for Hoosiers. He said our state could be one of the first to outlaw abortion entirely. And he added, we can't and won't let that happen, end quote. Meantime, at the Indiana Statehouse, this week's news sets up the potential for a special session at the Statehouse later this year if the court does overturn Roe v. Wade. This week, our Kristen Eskow spoke with lawmakers on both sides of the aisle. Earlier this year, 100 Republican lawmakers signed a letter to Governor Eric Holcomb asking him to call a special session if Roe v. Wade is overturned by the Supreme Court. Meanwhile, Democrats say they feel there are better ways for lawmakers to try to prevent abortions. I know for myself, I will always stand for life, and especially for those that are most vulnerable. State Representative Joanna King is one of the lawmakers advocating for a special session. She authored a bill this session that's been signed into law that bans coerced abortions. I think it was important to add that to um, our abortion code because of the obvious um, gravitas of uh, the 
outcome of that situation. Democratic State Representative Maureen Bauer voted against that legislation. It was redundant. We already have coercion laws on the books. Bauer says she's worried about what new abortion restrictions the Republican supermajority could pass if the Supreme Court allows states to make their own decisions. She believes there are other ways to prevent abortions, like improving access to contraception. We've had legislation introduced a number of years in a row where we're trying to allow pharmacies to introduce uh, or allow birth control prescription, and that has not moved forward. Governor Eric Holcomb says calling a special session to discuss new abortion legislation isn't off the table. I have a hard time being the person that take, that's part of taking of a life. And I'll review the decision that has impact on that. Governor Eric Holcomb has not said what he wants that new abortion legislation to look like if Roe v. Wade is overturned. At the State House, I'm Kristen Escal. Kristen, thanks. We heard from Governor Holcomb there. Here's more of what he told reporters this week when asked about the potential impact here in Indiana. Is there going to be a special session once the ruling <laughs> comes out on Dobbs? Uh, too early to tell. It's obviously an option on the table. I haven't taken anything off, uh, but I'll I'll uh, wait until we see a, a final formal decision. The governor's middle name is wait and see, okay? So it's not surprising that he took that position. But, you know, I don't want him firing it up. So thank you to the extent he says, let's wait and see. That's right. But I think there's been a myth that the Supreme Court will say 13 weeks is okay and 12 is not. They're not going to do that. So we're going to have to make the big decision. And I would rather do it on a measured basis. All right. Meantime, the court's potential actions on abortion rights were also a big topic this week on the campaign trail with this news coming out the night before the May primary. One of the big races for Congress down in the 9th Congressional District where former state Senator Aaron Houchin won in a crowded field of candidates with 37 percent of the vote. In the Democratic primary, Matthew Fife won a three-way race to earn the right to face Houchin in the fall. Our Kristen Eskow asked both Houchin and Fife about the potential of a Supreme Court ruling on abortion. If you indeed head to Washington, no doubt abortion will be a big issue that you'll be facing there. And I wanted to get your thoughts on the draft opinion that was leaked, both in terms of what that ruling could be as well as the leak itself. Well, I, I'm certainly hopeful that the Supreme Court will strike down Roe v. Wade. I think this is a decision that ought to be made by the states and the voters, either through their state legislative branches or through their members of Congress. I'm strongly pro-life. I will always support life. As I look at who I'm going to face potentially here in November, I know that Aaron Houchin, at least at this point, has a lead. Um, and that she's taken a very strong stance, a very divisive stance for people. As I go out and I speak with people in the district, she takes a pretty polarized stance. And again, that's kind of why I'm getting into this to begin with, is because we need less polarization. We need people who are going to focus on issues that get things done. How should Democrats respond? Do you think Congress needs to pass legislation regarding abortion nationwide? That's a good question. Um, my guess is potentially yes. I think we, we could codify Roe and we can make sure that we are making sure that women's health is, is looked at and we're helping women and families here in the district. What's the strategy heading into November trying to keep this a, a red district and what will the focus of the campaign be? The focus is going to continue to be fighting back on behalf of this district and the state of Indiana and uh, protecting the future of the country. All right, so that's the matchup there in the ninth. Meantime, in the eighth, Congressman Larry Bouchon unopposed in the GOP primary. In November, he'll face Ray McCormick, who won the Democratic primary Tuesday night. Taking a look at other primaries, Congressman Andre Carson, a big winner in the seventh district there in Indianapolis as he seeks reelection again this year. 
He'll go up against Angela Grabowski, one of several candidates who sought the Republican nomination in the 7th. She won that primary with 54% of the vote. She'll face Congressman Carson in the fall. Congressman Greg Pence also faced a primary challenge in the 6th District. He's running for his third term. In a statement after winning the primary, he said it's a tremendous honor to be the GOP nominee. Cynthia Wirth won the Democratic nomination, defeating George Holland in the May primary. In the 5th, incumbent Republican Congresswoman Victoria Sparts ran unopposed in the primary. She'll face Janine Lake, who defeated Matthew Hall in the Democratic primary. In the 4th District, Congressman Jim Baird was unopposed in the GOP primary. He'll face Roger Day, who won the Democratic primary Tuesday. Same goes for Fort Wayne area Congressman Jim Banks in the 3rd District. If we can show that, he was unopposed in the Republican primary. He'll be up against Democrat Gary Snyder. Representative Jackie Wolarski unopposed in the 2nd District primary. She'll face Democrat Paul Sturey. And in the 1st, Congressman Frank Mervan handily won the Democratic primary, but he's got a tough race this year in a district that Republicans are targeting as a seat they want to flip. Mervan will face Jennifer Ruth Green, the winner of the GOP primary, who spoke with Fox News this past week. As a military member and as a conservative, I just saw this clear lack of leadership and I just felt underrepresented. I felt there was great silence, but uh, also I see that policies are being failed to be enacted and people are suffering. And so I want to be able to serve and lead in that capacity. All right, much more on that race to come. Up next on this week's edition of In Focus, we'll talk about the race for Senate and whether this week's news on abortion will have any political implications on the midterms and on Senator Todd Young's bid for re-election. The race for U.S. Senate has already been set in stone with neither candidate facing a primary opponent this week. It'll be Hammond Mayor Tom McDermott up against Senator Todd Young, who spoke this week about the roller coaster ride we've seen in our economy and stock market in recent weeks. One thing is on every Hoosier's mind. It's the state of our economy. Now, Young also had this statement on the Supreme Court this week saying, I do believe that Roe v. Wade was wrongly decided and the American people should be able to decide through their elected officials what our laws are when it comes to protecting life and protecting women. He says, I'm committed to standing for life and supporting pregnant women. In an interview earlier this year, McDermott told us he thought a potential ruling from the court might shake up this year's midterm landscape. You can't be really extreme, in my opinion, to, to win as a Democrat in Indiana, and you have to have some help. And quite frankly, I think that help is coming. Uh, I think the U.S. Supreme Court's decision with the Dobbs uh, Roe versus Wade challenge, I, it, it, I listened to the arguments. I, I heard the questions asked by the justices of the court, and I feel that they're prepared to overrule Roe versus Wade, which is a catalyst, and it's going to galvanize women. Uh, it's going to galvanize Democrats. All right, let's talk about all of this now with our panel, Laura Wilson, Abdul Akim Shabazz, Laura Beck, Mike Murphy. Laura, this was stunning news this week, as we said, with a lot of practical and potential political implications as well. So it really may, remains to be seen exactly how deep those political implications might be when it comes to the midterms this year. Well, exactly. And it's it's particularly unusual because we have this leaked uh, decision, but but hasn't actually been made yet. So in, on some hand, on some, some levels, of course, it's not necessarily a shock, but I do think it is surprising as uh, we would anticipate something like this might happen. Now it's not just the probability of will it is the likelihood and so having this decision from the Supreme Court has gotten a lot of state legislatures scrambling for what they might do how they might address it in their state and of course there are implications because Indiana we and Ohio just had our primaries there are other states with primaries but we're only a few months away from the general election 
And so having this as part of that conversation is really important in the political dynamics too. Let's turn to Democratic strategist Laura Beck. Laura, your reaction to the news this week and, and what it could mean here, here in Indiana? Well, I think, I mean, I, I, I think, especially as we look to Indiana, it would come as no surprise, I think, to any of us that Indiana will will vote to overturn uh, or will vote to to uh, to do away with Roe v. Wade. Um, I, I do think what we're also going to see, though, is I think this is really going to mobilize voters um, for the for the general um, election with the midterms this year. Um, and I, I think what's going to be absolutely fascinating is um, how that plays out in some of these legislative races. I mean, yes, they're gerrymandered and we all know that. Um, but who is this going to bring out to the polls? Yes, it's, it's going to definitely motivate uh, Democrats. But I also think that when you look at the numbers, I mean, Indiana is, I think, fairly middle of the road when it comes to abortion um, and if it should remain legal. And so what you could actually see is you could see um, people of all different stripes coming out to vote this cycle. So it's going to flip the midterms yeah, on their head. We'll I think. see what happens. Let's let's bring in former GOP lawmaker Mike Murphy here. Mike, we heard from the governor earlier. He didn't really want to say much this week about the specifics of where he would stand uh, on various bills that might come from the legislature in, in the wake of any ruling from the court. Well, I think he's doing the exactly correct thing. We do not have a decision. We have a draft and kind of a rumor of a decision, which is not enough to be irresponsible to take any action upon that. Um, you know, everybody's talking about, you know, protecting the sanctity of life is somehow an extreme position, which just drives, you know, just befuddles me completely. This, this draft decision does not say that abortion will be legal nation or illegal nationwide. What it says is you do not have a federal constitutional right to an abortion, and under the 10th Amendment, the states should make those decisions. So even this decision of overturning Roe versus Wade, if that does happen, does not say that, that abortion is going to be uh, illegal nationwide. You know, I go back to what uh, Ronald Reagan said back in the 80s, and he said, have you noticed that everybody who's pro-abortion has already been born? I mean, they're the only one with any votes. We'll see how it plays out in terms of those implications and whether or not there are other bills in Congress. Uh, finally, Abdul Hakim Shabazz, you're also an attorney. What are the potential deeper legal implications here? Uh, well, uh, like everyone said, uh, if the Supreme Court were to come back and overturn Roe v. Wade, would go back to the states, it would not be made uh, illegal, at least not from the Supreme Court. Uh, what it would do, it would create a patchwork of sort of almost of a quilt type of abortion laws across the state. Uh, some would be more restrictive, like Indiana. Some would be more liberal, uh, like my home state of Illinois. And so it'll be interesting to see how that all breaks down and how far uh, women are, particularly women of limited income, are we able to have a reproductive right. And I will respectfully disagree with my good friend, Mike Murphy, for just a little bit, because while the 10th Amendment says the rights reserved after the federal government to the states, there's also the 9th Amendment that says just because rights break the Constitution doesn't mean you don't have them. All right, Laura, I also want to ask you about uh, a poll out this week from Morning Consult and Politico showing that a majority of Americans now say they want term limits for Supreme Court justices in the wake of this, 66% to 21%. The poll also showing a majority of people responding to this poll favor the idea of expanding the court, 55 to 36. Those numbers actually sharply up from where they had been previous times that question has come up in recent years. Still, that obviously doesn't seem to be a likely move, but we've also seen uh, these polls this week showing a wide majority of Americans against the idea of Roe being overturned. How do you square the public opinion on this with, with the reality of what might take place here in the coming weeks? 
one of the things I think is most interesting about this is the paradox of what the founding fathers thought the courts should be and what the American public right now thinks they should be because they actually, the founding fathers, wanted the justice system to be separate. They wanted it to not be influenced by public opinion. And uh, for some understandable, arguably good, perhaps um, maybe also arguably not so good reasons, I, mean, I think in all of these polls and all of this survey data, what you find is that things are much more complex than they seem. Pew Research looked at the question of abortion and Americans' attitudes back in March. And what they found is there's no majority of just all for or all against. And in fact, there's lots of little perspe perspectives and positions on people who are mostly for or under some circumstances or against in these conditions. It's a lot more complicated. We're not yeah. divided. We're truly factionalized in terms of how we see this issue. Well, and it is a very multi-layered debate, very nuanced debate, obviously. Uh, as you mentioned, there are people with different opinions based on different uh, times uh, you know, within, within the pregnancy and whatnot. Mike, you mentioned uh, what may happen next legislative here, legislatively here. While some Democrats may feel pressured to reform uh, the court, there's also this question now for every member of Congress and every congressional candidate as to whether they'd support federal laws on abortion. Democrats might face an uphill battle uh, in their attempt to try and codify Roe v. Wade, but you mentioned this going back to the states. Couldn't we also potentially see some Republicans down the road push for a federal ban on abortion if this court ruling does go their way? Sure, it's going to be the wild, wild west when it comes to legislation, both at the state level and the federal level, which is the way it should be. Um, you know, if the Democrats think they're going to uh, pass some kind of federal ban and get it signed by the president, they better do it before November because they're losing both the House and the Senate, number one. And number two, they're going to have to convince at least a couple Republican senators, I think at least one Republican senator, to uh, to uh, vote with them. And I really doubt that will happen between now okay. and the election. Laura, your response to that? Well, I think um, it's not a foregone conclusion, frankly. Um, and I think this, again, I think this draft opinion is something that has galvanized voters and will continue to galvanize its voters. I think the other issue that's at stake here, in addition to abortion, is what's next. Um, if they're going to come after this, what's what are they going to come after next? Okay. Are they going to come after birth control, contraception, gay marriage? Um, uh, you know, interracial yeah. marriage. Who's next and what's next? And I think it's, it has a chilling effect. Okay. Um, on everyone. Uh, we'll, we'll certainly see where all of this is headed next. Abdul, finally, quickly here, the May primary this past week, that ninth district primary made headlines. First district could be an interesting race, but also at the state house level, we saw some incumbents defeated. And at the local level in Indianapolis, we saw some of the slated candidates go down. Now Mayor Hogsett saying he wants to get rid of that slating process altogether. Uh, yes, uh, what Joe Hogsett is trying to do is save his own rear end because Joe Hogsett has made uh, a lot of uh, not so nice uh, friends with his positions on slating. So now he's trying to save his rear end just in case he gets, runs for re-election next year. At the state level, I thought it was interesting. All these far-right candidates who complained about medical freedom and CRT got their clocks clean. So it shows at the end of the day, uh, who just do exercise common sense. All right. Thanks to our panel. Some interesting headlines certainly out of that otherwise quiet primary, including a murder suspect on the ballot. We'll talk about that up next. Plus, COVID cases again on the rise. We'll hear from public health officials next.
A man accused of murdering his wife in Boone County just earned a spot on the general election ballot in November. This story making national news now. Andrew Wilhoyt running for a spot on the Clinton Township Board. He got 60 votes in the Republican primary. He told police that he killed his wife in March. Election experts say he qualified for the primary before his wife Nikki was killed. And at this point, they say there's no way to remove him from the ballot unless he's convicted. You can't remove him. We could not go in and say, I want to remove this individual, a, a normal voter or um, resident of Boone County cannot go in and request that. Will Hoyt has a preliminary date set for a trial in late August. If there's no verdict by November, voters could still potentially cast their ballot for him, even if he is behind bars. Meantime, COVID-19 cases have been slowly rising again in Indiana. And while it's still a far better situation than we've seen, some health officials we spoke with this week say they are closely monitoring the situation as we wait to see where things are headed next. It's not horrible right now, but we've had a couple hospitalized COVID patients. We've also, for the first time in a while, had a couple employees out with COVID. Definitely an increase, nothing like we've seen before, but again, something we're going to keep our eye on. Right, we have more of those interviews on our website, along with the latest data on the pandemic. Stick around. We're back with this week's Winners and Losers next. All right, time for this week's Winners and Losers. Laura, I'll start with you. Well, my winner uh, are teachers. Um, it has been Teacher Appreciation Week, and so I think it's really important that we appreciate our teachers. Uh, and my loser is the Supreme Court. Um, I think we have learned that um, it's definitely a political operation, and I think it's time that we look at how we reform it. Mike. Well, I think only this week. Um, first of all, Erin uh, Houchins, symbolic of the progress that women in the Republican Party have made. If she wins the general election, we'll now have four men and three women near parity, and at least on our side of the party. And uh, the rolling over the waters, the new the new uh, people coming in on this, in the Republican Party in the legislature, probably best symbolized by a former uh, Marine fighter pilot, Craig Haggard from Mooresville, who played a major role in defeating the Liberty Defense Fund uh, in the primary this year. Abdul. Uh, my big winner is actually Annette Johnson, the Pike Township trustee. She beat the slate twice. Uh, one is a challenger, another one is incumbent, so kudos to her. And my losers are the far right, far righty righties, uh, who tried to go against people like Tim Wesco and Matt Lane. Once again, they got their clocks clean and the world's a better place for it. Laura. Generally, I would say the political parties. There were contests uh, locally for the Democrats at the state level for Republicans. And while it wasn't a clean sweep, the party stayed uh, pretty strong to its roots. And you saw that in the outcome. I think the conversations will continue, but those contests are done. All right. Our thanks to the panel. Our thanks to you for watching. Hope you have a great Mother's Day weekend. We'll see you again next week on In Focus.